Before we get into the show, here's a quick word from HubSpot. Long hours, small teams, uninspiring content. Marketing at a startup is hard work. Thankfully, HubSpot for Startups can help you grow your business without growing your stress. HubSpot's all-in-one platform connects your teams together. Plus, they have a bunch of resources to help you scale, and they offer discounts of up to 90% off. So if you're ready to crush your marketing, look no further than HubSpot for Startups. To see how much you can save, visit HubSpot.com startups. Kieran, today we're going to talk about something stupid that everybody does. Right, and it's not Zumba. It is actually <laughs> something that has not evolved in the last number of years the way a lot of other things have in business and work. We're going to talk about our traditional interviews dumb. Hey, hey, welcome to Marketing Against the Grain, your podcast for all things growth and entrepreneurship. I am always your co-host, Kip Bodner, joined by my main man, Kieran Flanagan. Kieran, what is up, dude? How you doing? Things are good. Kieran, we, we got a fun topic today. We're going to talk about interviewing and hiring, and we have some takes that everybody is going to want to stick around and listen to. But before we do that, we got to do a little catch up on some listener shout outs. Okay, Kieran? We've gotten yes. a lot of people who have left us really awesome reviews on Apple Podcasts, and I want to shout some folks out. First of all, I want to shout out Sean Grossman, who does a great job of shouting you and I out on Twitter as well, at Kip Bodner, at Search Brat. And Sean said that we are in his top five podcasts. Wow, Sean, that is like so nice. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. James Deegan says, Kip and Kieran, I've listened to every episode since the beginning. Love the Web3 content and all things blockchain. Hey, oh. Yeah. We got, somebody, we got some Web3 <laughs> fans. We, we do the Web3 stuff mostly just for us, but so glad that we actually got some love. <laughs> For, for that. Thank you, James. Breen13 said, listen to the first four episodes and it's great. I'm running marketing on early stage startup now and I'm curious about what it takes to succeed at a marketer at each stage. We did a full episode on that with the Sequoia CMO that is going to be fire if you have not listened to it. Fire. E. Patton Hit also says, I've only listened to a few episodes after recently discovered it, but I'm going to listen to all of them. Woo, thank you for that. And then one other longer one that I want to call out, Karen, is Fourth River left us a review about really loved our IP marketing episode that we just dropped mm. and talked about Dungeons and Dragons, that they set up an open gaming license. Instead of using Creative Commons, they set up their own license that allows others to create in their ecosystem, even made a living through things like the DMs Guild, but still maintain some control over the brand. So it's a really good example of how you manage your IP, how you set up licensing is going to be a big part of how you think about marketing in the future. I love that additional commentary on our IP episode. Huge thank you to Fourth River for, for that update and leaving a review. If you want to shout out on the show, leave us a review. We will shout it out. If you put your company, your Twitter handle, we will make sure we mention that too. So we'd love reviews on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. Kieran, you have one other listener shout out that we want to do before we get into today's episode though. <laughs> You, you got a message from a listener that I think you have to tell everybody about. First of all, thank you so much for this person for being a listener. And secondly, thank you for telling me, probably correctly, to slow down <laughs> and pronounce my words because my accent is a problem. So what we are going to do in the future is... I'm going to try to slow down. It is the sugar rush. I do speak fast. <laughs> it's also a Northern Irish thing. It does happen. 
And my accent is quite different, so Kip is going to jump in when I say words that are different from how all of you would pronounce them. So that's what we're going to do to make sure everyone can enjoy it. Thanks for the listener feedback. I thought it was funny because I got to make fun of Kieran's accent for the morning. So <laughs> thank you for sending that. I had a great time. It was fantastic. But I, I, we couldn't we couldn't talk listener feedback and not and, and not and not drop that. All right. So at the start of the show, Kieran, we, we had a pretty big tease. We had tease about interviews based processes for hiring kind of being a waste of time. I know you have a thought and a tweet that you want to kick off the show with today. So I want to toss it over to you to, to set the stage for everybody listening. Yes. Yeah, so Sam Altman had a tweet where he said, traditional interviews are remarkably a bad way to make hiring decisions. And it really got me thinking, like traditional interviews, we have not evolved them much over the past number of decades. Like obviously they've got better for certain professions like engineering you actually have a lot of startups building great ways to assess engineers and you those kind of practical things where you can either code or you can't code, but they're still very subjective. Totally. They're still based upon how you feel about that person, based upon your backdoor references. And it got me thinking, is this true or not? And so that's where I wanted to start this conversation. Like we have done a ton of hiring, <laughs> a ton of hiring, hiring lots of people. Hundreds and hundreds of people. So I wanted to think, do we think it is a broken system, maybe the best we have? Do we think it's a broken system, can be improved? Or do we think, hey, it's actually pretty good for where we are as a species right now? <laughs> as a species. Well, first of all, Kieran, I think a lot has changed in the world, right? It has changed. We're moving to this like very remote, heavy work environment, which changes how you meet and interact with each other, assess people's skills. We also now work in public more than ever before, that you can see a public track record of people's work for many, many professions in a way that just wasn't possible 10, 20 years ago. And those are, those are two big, big changes that I see. And with that, I think what it comes down to is that there are really good ways of interviewing depending on the type of role. You know, if you're hiring an engineer, you can do a really awesome technical assessment and you can see the code that she has checked into GitHub. Like you can see open source contributions, all of those things. And that's pretty freaking awesome. And you can, and yeah, you can supplement that with, a, with an interview to like fo have follow-up questions, but those interviews can be really tactical because you, you see the work everybody's done. We're here talking about marketing growth and everything of that mind. And I think the traditional interview is not great for our profession. I think it's kind of a waste of time for our profession because there's better ways to assess people's skills. And I want to get into those, but I first want to see, do you agree or disagree with that? What is your take on hiring, especially for the marketing sales kind of growth world that we live in and work in? Yeah, I flip-flopped in this. I originally thought this is very true what we do is very subjective and not a great way to approach this. And then I thought, well, it's actually true, but there's not a better way to do this for many, many roles. Like marketing is a really good example. And all of these kind of roles are pretty good examples where you can see someone's portfolio of work, but if you're doing a senior role, you have teams, right? So what is your mm -hmm. input to that work versus the team's input to that work? But the place I think it really falls down and is really hard for founders, right? Because founders, yes. if the wrong senior hire sets you back months, if not years. Yes. And what happens is, and I think we're, you're going to talk about this, is the best way that we can hire is to hire people who have done the thing. And I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's actually 
default safety behavior. If I was a founder, I would probably default to that because I'm trying to make, we've talked about this, risk averse versus mm -hmm. making big swings and where you are within the stage of the company, you can be more risk on versus risk off. But I would still feel much safer as if someone had done the things. But if that person had done the thing for a certain company, they've seen the playbook, they built the playbook, they managed to make that successful. There's just this kind of collection of inputs that went in to make that person a success in that company. Like the relationship they had with the other, the founder within that company, the relationships mm -hmm. that they had with the C-suite, what was going on in their life, where was the kind of secret sauce that they had learned in that company that they couldn't have learned in a different company. And it's hard to know if they'll be able to replicate that success in every single company that they go into. And I don't know actually how you solve for that. I have one suggestion, but I wanted to open that up because I know you have real strong feelings on hiring first experience versus potential. First of all, the number one mistake you will, everybody listening to this podcast right now is making a hiring is over hiring for experience versus potential. Like full stop. If you want to stop listening now and just take that away, I, I'm okay with it because that is the number one mistake everybody is making. And so what do we specifically mean by this? And so for the next few minutes, we're going to open up the, the secret chest of all the things Kieran and I have learned about hiring. We have hired hundreds and hundreds of people from entry-level contributors to very, very senior, senior leaders. And we've done that in marketing, but we've also been a part of a lot of other searches across different disciplines within the company. And the number one thing that happens is you go and you hire somebody based on this fit of skills and experience that they have. And that is often a bad thing to do because first of all, most often when people go and hire a, a, a new marketing leader, for example, they aren't crystal clear on what they're actually looking for and what they actually need. The job rec, the brief, the spec is not tight enough. And so you go looking for experience that you think is important, but it actually isn't as important as you think. The next part of this is exactly what you said, Kieran. Every situation is different. Like in the leadership world, there's a lot of talk, you know, one of the ways to think about leadership is situational leadership, that you need to adapt right. your leadership to the given situation that you're in. I would argue the same thing is true for hiring, right? You have to say, hey, this is the stage I'm in. These are the types of people that this person's going to work, work with. This is the pace they're gonna need to work. These are the core skills outside of knowing how to do the job, whether it might be collaboration, project management, whatever that may be. Like, I need to assess all of these things, not just has the person checks, checked the box by running like scaled demand gen campaigns, right? right? And, and they might not be running the demand gen campaigns in a way that would even work for the economics of my business. So why am I going to wait 80% of whether I'm going to hire this person based on the fact that they're doing something that may or may not be relevant to me? Right. Right? Like that. that is my big problem with all of this is that we're gauging people too much on what they have done versus what they can do. I think marketing or most disciplines like that are just a collection of problems to be solved. And if you can solve hard problems in one area, you can solve them in other areas, right? Yes. I think that you, if you can solve a difficult demand gen problem and you truly know how to unpack that and figure out ways to fix that, you can go and solve product marketing issues. I know people are going to at me on Twitter and say, <laughs> no, no, you can't. I'm not saying that you can do it from the get-go. I think you can figure it out pretty quickly. I think if you figure it out product marketing issues, you can go figure out brand issues. I think there is a lot of things that you learn within those problems that have to unpack those problems and figure out solutions for them that are applicable across different functions within marketing. Mm -hmm. And too often we look at someone and we say, well, you haven't done the thing, you haven't done this thing. And we discount the fact that actually the thing that you have done is very, very hard, very, very complex and really, really matters. 
And that's where I've seen a lot of founders go wrong on their head of marketing hires, where they hire them because they have done the thing that they think they want done. And they try to replicate that for that startup, but that startup has to grow in a very different way. Maybe they have a different category leader that is much more incumbent, harder to displace. Maybe they have demand gen channels that are much more saturated and harder to grow from in the way that they grew in the last work because it was a different market, different space. And so I'm, I'm actually always interested in how someone actually takes hard problems and solves those problems, because I think that is a better way to gauge if they are going to be successful in the role that you asked them to do. Now, there is an intersection between experience and problem solving. Like you definitely need some experience for some roles, but I think it's trying to get that balance correct. Yeah, but what, what you talked about out there, right? With the founder, business leader wanting to go and hire somebody who solved this problem, right? The argument I would make to everybody listening is that thesis inherently has selection bias in that. And because you are selecting for somebody who wants to do something they have already done again. And a lot of people don't want to do something they've already done again. <laughs> and if you are building a high growth company, a high growth startup that you want to go and evolve and change, do you really want to pick somebody who just wants to do what they've done again? That seems literally idiotic because you're asking, you want that person to grow and scale and solve new problems. And you are selecting somebody who is literally signing up to do the exact opposite. Like, why the hell would you do that? I think my counterpoint is I'm going to put myself into the person hiring this person's shoes. If that person has done the thing, has done exactly what I want them to do, has done it at a really high level and is pretty motivated to do it again, I hire that person every day, actually. I think I hire that person every day of the week. But how do you know they're motivated to do it again? How do you know they're really motivated to do it again? That's the part. That's the, because that, yes, Let's here go. we go. Now we've hit on it, right? This is actually the thing. This is actually the thing that matters. It's actually not, will they be successful? It's, are they motivated to do that? This is what I wanted to get to. Motivation is everything. Everything. It's everything. And that's what you have to dig into is get to know the person. You have to really get to know the person and know their motivations. And you have to figure out, do you think that person is truly motivated and excited to do this role again? And why is it? Like, what are they motivated by? Maybe that they just want a certain lifestyle and that repeating this thing time and time again allows them to have the lifestyle they want. Work-life balance allows them to be much more present within their, you know, family's life, or whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. Maybe they want to do that thing because every time they do it, they do it at a different phase, right? They go back and start again and they love that journey. They love to start mm -hmm. again, build it again. And then they, when it's ready and it's you know optimized and it's all fixed, then they hand it off to someone else and they have to go restart again. And so I, I actually think hire the person for sure if they want to replicate their success at a different place and probably at a different point in the journey, but you have to really understand the motivations of why they want to do that. Well, break that down for people listening right now, Karen. How do you actually understand that? How do you get to somebody's motivation and really deeply actually understand it? Yes, you don't start the interview like this. Hey, tell me about your last role. Tell me why you did this. Tell me how you did this. Tell me about this. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Like, <laughs> here, I, I'm here to waste 45 minutes of your time. Yeah, like, tell me, tell me about this detail in your CV. Tell me about this detail. No, like that's, uh, this is particularly important for senior hires. Yes. Tell me about you. Yes. Tell me what you want. Tell me where you, where, where you want to go in your life. Tell me how you want things to look different in 12, 24 months. What are you trying to do here? What gets you excited? Tell me a little bit about your life in general outside of work. Like, what do you like doing? You know, you cannot start senior hires and just do this thing where you just kind of go through their CV. Oh, you've done the thing before. Let's maneuver you through this process. Let's truly understand them what they actually want. I think that's really important. Get to know the person first and then 
get to know the background and things like that. Because often with senior hires, like you end up with a pipeline of people who are very smart and have done really great work. Mm-hmm. And it's really more about like you and that person and trying to understand, can you fulfill the motivations they have and can you help them to get where they need to go within this role? Because people who are really good, if they are not going to get that from the role, will leave, right? If you're like, oh, there's, you know, I've dug into the motivations, I've dug into what they really want. Actually, secretly, I think there's a mismatch. Behind the scenes, you know, what I'm telling them is not real. They're not going to get to do half of the stuff they really want to do. And then I've set them up for failure. But we do that all the time because we're, we want to get that person and we think this person is the game changer for us. And we don't want to tell them, you know, the real stuff. We don't want to tell them what it's really like to do this role. We don't want to tell them behind the scenes. I think that sets them up for failure. I want to speak to everybody listening on the pod right now. If, if, you're, if you're listening, turn it up a little bit because I want you to hear what we're saying. One of the things that does not happen in hiring is that the, neither side, the job seeker or the you know, hiring manager, does not have the reverence for the process that they should. And what I mean by that is the following. Think about it. People, you know, this next generation are probably, you know, based on all the data, going to have somewhere between 8 to 14, like, real kind of long-term type of career roles in their lifetime. That's not very many. In your entire lifetime as a human, you might have 10 jobs. And so if somebody is talking about coming and switching jobs with you as a hiring manager, that is a life-changing event. That is a huge dot on the timeline of his or her life. And if you start with all this boring that is a waste of their time, <laughs> you, are, you are showing them that you don't care about them, their life, and what's, what's going on. And how you change is you make the process from the very beginning about them because it is rev- in reverence to the choice they're going to make. And by doing that, you can actually find somebody who's excited about what you have to offer and can be a long-term great fit in that role. If you are just looking to check the boxes, you are going to fail. And that person's going to have a miserable 12 to 18 months, and they're going to try to minimize the dot that was working with you in their, in their career because it wasn't a good experience for them. And this is fundamentally the number one issue that I have with so many hiring managers kicking off a new hiring process and also should be a giant red flag for applicants. You know, I'm, I'm hiring a, a role right now. I spend the very first call with every person I hire. I am there to answer their questions. I explain the company exactly. background, the role background, and I want to understand who they are, what they want. What are the questions they have? What would make this role interesting to them? And I have a very honest conversation about what that is like. And if, and only if we get through that and they are very interested and psyched to talk to me, we'll have a follow-up session where we go into the nitty gritty details of what it's like to do that job based on current problems we're trying to solve. And that is what you have to do. Yeah, I've had so many people, you probably experienced this. I have so many people in my network that went, took senior roles and they're there for 12, 18 months and they leave and I talk to them and they're like, it was really not what I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's because they never had an honest conversation at the start of what it was going to be. What do you want? I don't know if I can deliver on that for you. Here's what I can deliver on. I'm being honest. Like, what, what do you think about that? Like, how do, we, how do we get aligned on that stuff? So I think the motivation part is key. Knowing the person is key. I think the question you ask is like, what do you want? <laughs> what do you actually want here? Well, I, I'll be honest with you. One of the things I tell people, and this is going to sound crass, is look, every company, every team, they're effed up. 
And you just have to decide, is that the kind of effed up that works for you and resonates with you that that you're interested Uh, in solving? And if it's not, then don't sign up for it. That is true. But to assume that any situation is going to be good and perfect is just stupid. Like it is literally idiotic. That is just fundamentally not true in the world. I, I always describe it as the conference version of what happens and the bes- <laughs> totally. behind the scenes version of what happens. Cause I do, I go to a conference and I'm like, this is how we built the product led growth motion. And we did the 10 things <laughs> and behind the scenes, it's nothing like that as we're all killing each other, destroying things. Karen's yelling at me being like, this is broken. It's never <laughs> going to work. None's working. No, it's doing the job. We all hate each other. Uh, I think you, you being the hiring manager, again, I, I definitely think we're talking about like senior, senior level hires you being mm-hmm. the hiring manager, like it's on you to do that, get to know the person motivation and then have that honest, honest discussion, knowing that that honest, that honesty may mean that person that you love, that you just really want to hire, that could be the game changer for your team may not be the right fit. Mm. And it's better making that decision there and then than having to make it in 12 <laughs> months time or them making it for you in 12 months time. 100%. I want to go to the, the next point. My next point for everybody out there is you need to hire the outliers, especially in marketing. You're looking for outlier results. You're looking for differentiation. So you want to hire the outliers in the process. And too many people have a process of, and companies have a process of conformity. Oh, submit this very formal application. We review them all in this period of time. You want to look for outliers. A good example of this, Kieran, I'm going to, I'm going to throw us back to Sam's Hire Me HubSpot campaign. Oh, yeah, So we have yeah. a good cool. friend, Kieran and I. His name is Sam Malakarjanan. He is the co-founder and CEO of an amazing startup now called OneScreen.ai. Go check them out. They're, they're doing awesome awesome work in the display advertising and out-of-home advertising space. But before Sam was a startup founder, he wanted to come and work at HubSpot. And he did an entire campaign. He did a landing page, Facebook ads, LinkedIn ads, everything targeting HubSpotters only to get hired. So good. And as it was, it was perfect. It was the perfect way to demonstrate his marketing knowledge by doing it as part of the application process. He stood out because it was completely different than everybody else who were, was applying for the same job he was interested in applying for. And it didn't matter that he didn't have as much experience or perspective or any of those things. He was early in his career, but he knew what mattered to cut through and he got hired. We worked together. Like his whole, the whole trajectory of his life changed and the trajectory of our lives and the company changed because we were able to like see the outlier in the work he was doing. So I, I think we've had a bunch of those over the years, Karen, people who have really been the outliers. I think nearly 100% of the time, they often turn out to be some of the best team members that you can ever bring on board. Nearly 100%, not 100%, just so we're clear. <laughs> <laughs> Not always. You, you take a little bit of risk with the outliers, but they're very often really amazing. But the the upside is worth the potential risk to you know a couple not working out. There, HubSpot used to get a lot of cool applications. Remember, I, there was a guy called Al mm-hmm. used to be on the team. Didn't he sing a? Didn't he have a song that? Yeah, did he did really a song. Well? We, we, yeah, we've gotten some very clever things. Those really stand out when you are looking at hundreds and hundreds of people who are interested in a job. Wow, so it's pretty awesome. One of the final points I wanted to get your thoughts on was because it's becoming very common within the kind of founder circle in terms of how they hire their head of marketing or CMO, whatever you want to call that role. They actually now will spin out as part of the last part of the interview process, a project, right? And they'll actually pay yep. that person for their project, like a consultant fee. Yep. And 
you know, that's trying to, how do I get the part that's subjective to the part that that person can do the role? You in on this or you not? If I'm a founder, are you telling me this is a worthy thing to add to my interview process? Or you're like, ah, like there's ways that doesn't really demonstrate their capabilities to do the role. I'm all for a, a kind of a project-based component. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question, but I want to back up a minute because I want to cover a macro point around like hiring process. We teased at the the start of the show today, kind of interviews becoming much more antiquated. And what I what my net on this is is that you should never have an interview-only process. Interviews should be a component of a more holistic process. And the ideal process to me in this world right now, especially if you're hiring marketers, is you're very clear on your job rec and your job spec. The next thing you have to do is have the right interview panel, the right people who are gonna talk to this candidate. And having the wrong panel can mess you up from the beginning because you'll get feedback from people who aren't close enough to the role. The candidate will might not see herself or himself in the people that they're interviewing with and be like, oh, I don't know if I have a future here because you know these people seem very different from me. The interview panel, getting that right for the role and the candidate experience is critical. And then you're going to have some interviews and that's great. And then I'm a fan of some type of not super time consuming project. Oh, this is how we're currently thinking about this work that we're doing that we're interested in. So call it product marketing. So here's our product marketing strategy. Give me feedback on our product marketing strategy. What would you change? You know, do do 10 slides. And I know that there's like the more deeper paid consultation route, which you're kind of bringing up, Kieran. I think that kind of muddies the water because then you're like, this person's hanging around for a couple months to do this project. They're doing it for a few other companies. Yeah. They kind of feel out, you know, like they're not fully bought yeah. in. I like it more streamlined where it's you talk to some folks, then a week or two later, you kind of share your thoughts and perspective on the problems at hand for this role. And then the decision's kind of made, yes, you're the right person or not. Yeah, so it's, it's more like thoughts on, you know, you give them some problems that you think need to be solved over the next five months. And just, you're not asking them to spend five to, I guess the thing I'm getting at is what level of, prep do you think that person needs to do for that final project? Is it like, we asked them to do five, 10 hours, which then you do have to start to think, maybe I need to pay for those hours. No, I think it's a couple hours. I agree. I think it's a couple of hours. Because again, if you have a pretty strong network, <laughs> there's a lot of people you can ask <laughs> to help you with that stuff, right? I think you were trying to, you're trying to dig into, like, do they understand the problems that need solving and have they really thoughtful solutions about those? I don't think you need them to come up with a, a strategy doc to describe how they would do those things. You're trying to get an understanding of how they solve problems. Right. And how they think through problems and how they use the experience and the intellectual capability they have to solve problems. And can they solve the types of problems that you're looking for in this specific role? Now, on the flip side, I guess coming back, the part I somewhat disagree on, we can debate on is being an advisor and a consultant to a brand is actually a great way to be onboarded to that brand through that process versus a an interview process. It's not bad for the employee, the, the potential employee, right? Because you get a true flavor of what's messed up within that company, right? And you can kind of really understand if it if it is a, the right experience that you want or not. I totally agree with that, actually. You don't think it's good for the company? I think it's good for the company because they actually get to figure out what it's like to work with that person. Uh, I think it's okay for the company. Really? I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's better. I think it's better for the employee than the company, honestly. Because you just think that the company... They don't know if they're going to end up with this person working for them or not. Yeah, they don't know if they're going to end up with that person working for them. And they're getting the kind of a fraction of this person's time. And mm. they're not getting the best thinking for something that they're 
going to go and deploy and do in the world. You know, it's not like a fictional exercise. It is like a project that they're going to go and make real business change based on, you know? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. Uh, I, 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 want, I want to try to summarize the show today for everybody. So we talked about hiring and interviewing today on Marketing Against the Grain. This is what I think, Kieran, you and I debated and agreed on, which is inter- an interview-only process is stupid. Interviews need to be part of a more holistic hiring process. The next thing is, depending on the industry, you can do very different ways of assessing skills. In marketing, you can have candidates do projects, but you can also like, they can do things like targeting you with ads, content, articles, et cetera, to explain their skills as they're in the hiring process. And people who are willing to go that extra mile are, we call outliers in those processes, often work out really well and can be really great long-term members of the team, long-term contributors. We also talked about kind of the interview process and how you need to be really tight on what you're looking for from like a skills perspective from anybody you're hiring. You need to have the right interview loop of people who are going to be interviewing that person. And you need to have a very clear process of a final assessment, whether it be a project, what have you. And then last, but certainly not least, we said the most important thing that you have to do is not over-index on experience for the sake of potential and ability to solve problems in the future. Just because somebody has done something in the past that's a different situation. It doesn't mean that there, it is a guarantee that they can replicate that for you in the future. What I missed, Kieran, anything else you want to add in there before we, we get out of here? I think the final project, one of the things that is useful, dependent upon the level, a certain amount of prep time, I don't think you want to ask someone to disrupt their entire lifestyle to try to go through this, or you might lose people because they, don't, they can't commit that time. But I do think one of the things that is really useful is that last project being some sort of roundtable discussion with the the leadership team, mm-hmm. like the people they work directly with, because you get to see how they'll interact with that team. You'll get them to share their thoughts. You like pose a problem beforehand and ask them just to prep some notes and bring into the discussion and to try to lead the roundtable discussion or be part of that roundtable discussion. You can see the dynamics. You can see like how they push back on other ideas, see how they actually, you know, interact in that situation. I think that's a worthy thing as well to bring into that last phase. It's a project base. Yeah, I think your 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 takeaway for everybody is to be very thoughtful about the prod project, and that there's a big part of somebody being successful in the role is not just their skills; it's their ability to work with the people they're going to work with day to day in that right. role. And if exactly. you can bring those people into the project, you can have a much better sense of how that's going to go. Exactly. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Well, so after this, you now are set to go and hire better than ever before. If you have hiring questions or follow-ups on this, hit us up on Twitter at Kit Bodner at SearchBrat. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We will get back with any follow-up questions you have. And until next time, everyone, this has been another episode of Mark Against the Grain. We'll talk to you all real soon. 